In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. <laughs> Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey.
my shoes. Holla if you need me, love. I'm in the house. Roman Strom, see what the honeys is about. My wet popping, ho hopping, ain't no stopping. Big Papa, I'm a bad boy. Niggas wanna front, who got your back? Niggas wanna flex, who got the gat? It ain't hard to tell, I'm the East Coast overdoser. Nigga, you're scared, you're supposed to. Nigga, I toast you. Put fear in your heart. Fuck up the party before it even starts. Pissy drunk, off a Henny and Skunk, or some brand new and shit beating down punk. That is that is a room on fire right there, folks. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. I am Ryan Bailey. It is your Thursday episode. We are 80% through the week. Whoo! Um, <laughs> we're going to get right into it today. Uh, that was actually a, a, max, a mashup of The Strokes and <laughs> Notorious B.I.G., of course. Killer. I, I saw The Strokes tonight at the forum and I, I had these tickets before uh, before COVID. They were they were supposed to play the the week that everything shut down. Uh, if you can remember that long ago and me and uh, my buddy Tug, who's been on the show before, we went to uh, to see them tonight and it was such a great energy. I, the Strokes are just such an interesting band because they have such catchy songs and it's it's weird. It's like a throwback to so many different, like they, like they're completely unique, but at the same time, they sound like all of this amazing music that you've heard throughout your life. And it's just, I don't know, such great energy. I, I mean, I remember when that first album came out, um, uh, it, it just blew me away. I think it blew a lot of people away, but I, I it, it's that passage of time. You're like, holy shit. Has it been? I mean, how long has it been since that first album came out? Was it, I think I was like 28 or so. I mean, how long? God. Ugh. Anyways, just give myself the shivers. Anyways, talking about, there was a line in there about being a bad boy. You guys know I'm the bad boy of podcasting, right? Well, bad boy of podcasting did it again tonight. Guess what I did? I left my house without a full charge on my battery like a bad boy on my iPhone. And I couldn't, I got, I was, I, I had ordered an Uber and I was at 5% at the forum. And it's, you know, at midnight, you don't want to be stuck at the forum. Not, you know, my friend had already taken off. So I was by myself with 5% of a phone battery. And uh, that's called bad boy behavior, folks. That's, I'm the guy 
your mom told you to stay away from just because he'll, he, he won't be able to get you home. He's, it's not going to be in your cards. Um, uh, today we have an amazing guest. Uh, Kimberly Archie is our guest. If you watch the ABC News documentary, The Housewife and the Hustler, about the Tom Girardi, Erica Jane case, which we have talked about ad nauseum this year, she was in that because she worked uh, with Girardi and Keese as a consultant. Um, and also her son tragically died uh, and uh, Tom Girardi represented him. Um, and you'll find out a little bit more about that. Uh, so she has been, uh, her story is just amazing. And she was just such a great guest. And this was going to be out next week, but I had, I, I don't know, it felt so timely, especially after the reunion tonight. Now we are three parts in, and of course I will do the recap on Friday, but I got to tell you, man, like it, it, it was not, um, had a little burnout this week. I don't know if you guys felt that at all. We're still going to have a blast with the recap. I'll find something funny to do. I'll rap about Erica Jane's bullshit once again. But, um, you know, and then it made it look like the fourth part was the good part. You're like, oh, of course. Okay, the best for last. I get it. Well, I guess I'm just a jerk for expecting all three of these to be amazing before the fourth one came along. So who knows what it's going to be like. Um, uh, and also Winter House. If you guys aren't bored with Winter House, I, I implore you to look within because it was it's just so good and stupid and easy and innocent, but dirty. It's all and Austin is such a creep and a turtleneck. And Lindsay, Lindsay is telling Austin that she loves him. And also, you need to watch the Watch What Happens Live directly after it because Austin's the guest, but Lindsay's in the audience with his sister and his mom. And it, it, it was awkward at multiple times where Austin was just like straight up shading her of like, I don't see Lindsay like that. No, I it was just so weird. And they admit they they slept together in this episode. What the hell is going on? This guy, I feel like reality TV is a re- like it's a place for guys that are kind of D bags with a sense of humor to go. And they have much more success than they ever would in the real world. Like, it's very frustrating. If I was 40% better looking, I would be on a reality show like that. I mean, that would be my only refuge. Once you get past a certain age, you're like, okay, I could live a real life or I could be on a reality show. Also, uh, I was on Us Weekly's um, Here for the Right Reasons, their Bachelor podcast hosted by our friend Sarah Heron, uh, who who is just incredible. We had the best time uh, recapping this past week's The Bachelorette, if you are Bachelor Nation. But we also talked about the general tropes of The Bachelor and how I'm furious uh, that these people are allowed to break up that quickly. I, I want to see pain. You know, like let treat it like a real relationship. I need you, you just it's not you shouldn't be able to break up two weeks later after we've invested week after week watching you on TV. Come on, man. Also, Vanderpump Rules. Um, uh, I, I watched that finally. And Katie admitted that they had an abortion at one point in the beginning of their relationship. And it's like, how are we just finding out stuff about Katie right now? You know, like it was a very interesting, touching story in a lot of ways. But how are we just finding this out nine seasons in? Man, Katie, it just goes to show you like, fuck, man, they need to get their act together. Like this information should have been uh, given to us much earlier, many more seasons earlier. Uh, I I almost feel bad about misjudging Katie at times. But I guess that's the good thing about uh, having less than in terms of cast. Oh, by the way. 
I can't say, you know, but like I heard a lot of Vanderpump Rules information yesterday when I was at Sir, and uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll try to do it on Patreon. I don't know how. I can't. Anyways, um, okay, so let's just get to the guest. Uh, I hope you guys have a great Thursday. Uh, Friday, we're going to have a blast, and then we got the weekend, and then we'll do it all over again on Monday. But I hope you guys are having the best week ever, and uh, here she is. Uh, I think this is just such a good infor- uh, a good interview, and it's also, it, it kind of clarifies again, every time we lose track of the Erica Jane thread, you know, we start forgetting about what this is really about, is the victims of this man. Um, and I just thought this would be a good one to remind. There are laughs in this, and there's a lot of information in this, and she was just such a great lady that I wanted you to hear this uh, as soon as possible. So without further ado, here she is, Kimberly Archie. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Um, this we try to make light of a lot of events, and you know, since Real Housewives of Beverly Hills this season has uh, aired, you know, I try to look at the lighter side of things of this, but at the same time, I'm always quick to mention that at the end of all of this, there are real victims at play. There is a real story here uh, that doesn't just involve Erica Jane, even though that is the focus of a lot of this show. Um, this season premiered and i believe two weeks in we got a documentary on abc called the housewife and the hustler and i thought it actually was kind of brilliant in the way that it actually gave a face and a voice to the victims something that i had not really taken into account because i was just worried about what erica jane was wearing and driving and all of that nature and if she could afford her lifestyle but there is a real story here a real story with real people and we're gonna have a couple laughs today i'm sure but there is an expert here that was in that and also really close involved in this story in many ways. Her name is Kimberly Archie. Uh, she used to work as a legal consultant, but also a legal consultant from Girardi Keys, and then actually was involved with Girardi Keys in a very tragic manner, which we'll get into. Um, but I just want to get into it. I need to get her opinion on so many things. And I know we're walking on quicksand here in terms of law, and we'll, we'll see what we can get into and what we can't. But also, I've got to tell you, I you know at this point how I bought the red lingerie, how I have like a seer, a trove of Girardi Keese Law Awards. That was one. And I have promised uh, our next guest one of those awards. So Kimberly Archie, how are you? What's going on? I'm great. Uh, thanks for having me today. And uh, thanks for um, participating in the auction and uh, <laughs> helping the victims a little bit and having some fun. I'm happy to wear the underwear on my head any day of the week. I should have, I, I should have done that, but I wanted to be tasteful. Um, just to remind people, because it has been so long now since I feel that documentary aired, which I thought really, what was your opinion of the documentary? Did you like how it was, uh, how it was done? You know, I, I really, I thought that they did a, a good job. Uh, I, I thought they did an excellent job. When you think about the complexities of the story, how early on it really was in all of it, and how little the general public would know about it. So it was really like an entry into it. So they had a lot of challenges, and it was done in a really short amount of time. So, um, you know, there's a little edge of salaciousness to it, but, you know, it involves a housewife and pop culture. So, you know, what do you expect? And in the end, they gave an incredible platform to Joe Ragomez um, and his family, and, and that certainly was uh, very important. Now, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, his mother, Kathy, is one of your very good friends. Is that correct? 
Yes, she's my childhood best friend. We've been friends uh, for 49 years. She hates it when I say that. She's always like, say <laughs> since we were three. You can say 29 go, no, no, years. No. You can say 29 years. It's fine, yeah. Well, it doesn't sound as good. I mean, 49 years, who gets to be friends 49 years in a lifetime, you know? So I think Very that's true. such an honor. Um, and so I don't care if people realize that we're old. Um, it's cool that we've been friends, you know, that long and that we're still friends after this whole Girardi thing. I mean, it's been so stressful and her and I have been through a really a ton of horrible shit and to still be standing and trying to laugh at ourselves a little bit and keep our sense of humor. Uh, I think that we're just really lucky. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that too. Um, and and this is a personal tragedy for for everybody, but for you personally, because this also involves the death of your son. Actually, the the wrongful death lawsuit that no other um, uh, lawyers would take, and so you brought that to Girardi Keese as well, because and you had already started working for him at that time, correct? Right. Um, yeah, I'd worked for him um, really with him. Um, because I wasn't an employee, oftentimes the headlines will say employee, but, um, you know, I was a contractor, right. I was a consultant. So I wasn't an actual Girardi Keys employee. I didn't have an office at Girardi Keys. Um, you know, I I don't own any, I don't own any of your stuff, uh, from that, the offices of Girardi Keys from the auction. (laughs) Right. Right. So, you know, I would often go in there and I had regular meetings with Tom, Um, you know, and I was known to do a, you know, TV interview or two, but that would have been related to my son's case, which was at Girardi Keys. So, you know, that all would have, um, made a lot of sense. And so, yeah, so Tom became my son's attorney. And what was more ironic about it, even than that, is that I worked with Tom on the NFL brain injury case. Yeah. You do a lot of work with son. CTE, the National Truth. Right. And by the way, I wanted to point that out, you guys. We are talking heavily about this, but you are a very accomplished woman in terms of the career that you have had up to this point. So I don't want to give short thrift to that, but I know we're talking about one particular case, but you have had a very uh, esteemed career up to this point. Thank you. Uh, you know, it. I tend to think that I'm, I'm fighting for kids. And so, uh, you know, it, it what wouldn't we do to protect kids? So it's really more about them um, than it is about me. But um, yeah, for 18 years, I've been a diligent advocate on behalf of child rights and sports. And that's how I met Tom, because I thought Tom, because of the Aaron Brockovich movie, would be the perfect um, attorney to take on the sports industry. And so after having several years of meetings with Masri and Vitido, which is the smaller law firm that you see in the Aaron Brockovich movie. Who's playing Ed, the Ed Masri that, is the character right, of Brockovich, yeah. You're right, that's the main attorney in the movie. So that's who I actually knew prior to my friend Kathy's house blowing up by the gas company, which is the same company in the Aaron Brockovich movie. So it's not, you know, when people think, well, how did these guys, you know, hire Tom Girardi? Well, it's the same company from the Aaron Brockovich movie that blew up Kathy and Joe Ragomez's house. And so now it makes a lot of sense why they would pick an attorney who had already been shown in a movie to have taken on this company and kicked their ass. So, you know, when your kid's in a coma, you're thinking about who can I hire that's going to take this seriously and not just want to go settle because it's strict liability, you know? So that's how sort of the road 
of how, you know, I met Tom the same day that my friend Kathy did. And it was from there where I ended up working with him on the NFL case. And then my son died and I had his brain examined and he was found to have CTE as well. And so, uh, you know, that's the ironic twist of fate is that, you know, I worked with Tom on this issue about CTE. Uh, you know, it was the research that I did on behalf of former NFL players that I had my aha moment the summer before my son died uh, about how football was played and the role um, that their negligent behavior played in little kids actually being exposed, not just pro players. And, you know, so this was new. This was a new area of law, really. Um, and so you wouldn't have a lot of attorneys who would be able to take on the sports industry and handle that type of, of case. And so, you know, all of those guys were buddies with Tom. And, and so that's where the conflict came in. And of course, now that people have seen the Girardi story kind of play out, it, it doesn't, it, most people aren't surprised that people were fearful of Tom or wouldn't have wanted to step on his toes. I mean, oh, I, I have a obvious. I, I have awards uh, given from the sheriff's department to Tom, and my, you know, like I have awards given to him from the police of saying thank you for all of your support, thank you for this. But when you're in it, when you're hiring, you know, you uh, you said, I mean. Did you think, hey, I'm I'm with the right guy though? Like I'm working for, like I mean, when did you even have like suspicions of, well, this doesn't seem right? Was it when he wasn't paying uh, Joe and Kathy the 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 money that was owed them? Well, that's certainly um, when it started to become clear, which was after we filed my son's lawsuit. Um, so you know we were sort of stuck in the middle of it at that point because now we're litigating it. And that's where the issue came in where, um, you know, we had to decide, you know, do, do we make a demand for, you know, um, their money and just say, I got to do whatever I have to do. If I have to go, go find someone else to fight my son's case, that's what I do. Um, and we knew it was risky to do that. I knew if, if we fired Tom and took it to another law firm that our case could get thrown out. And that's exactly what happened. Um, and wow. it's on appeal and the ninth circuit just tossed it out again. And we filed to ask for a full panel of the ninth circuit. We're waiting to hear. Um, and the courts literally said that, uh, you know, some people maybe have heard of the movie concussion that Will, Will Smith, Smith played yeah. the doctor. So that doctor was the expert in my son's case. And the judge said that he was not a reliable witness on CTE and threw it out. So I don't know who the hell we were supposed to have besides the most renowned doctor in the world on this subject. Um, but our judge decided that he wasn't reliable for whatever reason that he felt. Um, you know, I disagree with the judge that, uh, you know, um, and and there's precedent to argue otherwise that, you know, our experts said the same thing that have been said in other cases about impulsivity when someone has brain damage. And, uh, you know, so yeah, and what you're speaking to, if you don't understand or have heard about CTE, it's definitely uh, gone more to the forefront over the last decade. But basically, you know, if you get hit hard enough repeatedly and all of this stuff, you'll see in brain scans, it starts to eat away or there starts to be like a uh, brain damage, actually, and impulsivity yeah. in that a lot of ex NFL players, especially, or that's when it was really being 
highlighted were um, were exhibiting extremely uh, bizarre behavior, even killing themselves, even like auditory problems, visual problems. And you would see like all of these people that were in, in the NFL that kept getting hit over and over again. It degenerates the brain over time. And it's not just in NFL players, you're saying like this is this can happen to anybody, you know. Right. And not even just in football, but in other collision sports, domestic violence, the military. This is a serious public health issue. And one of the reasons people should really care about it is because it doesn't just happen to football players. But if the football industry is helping to cover it up, they're covering it up for other folks as well, including our military veterans, which, you know, really sort of strikes me because my brother's a retired Navy commander and, you know, um, he served 14 years in the Navy and has exposure, um, you know, flying jets in a, in a war zone. So, um, you know, a lot of people have family members that have served in the military and we don't want to be covering up um, brain health issues for our military vets. Uh, I 100% agree. This is really important work. And it is interesting as the technology becomes more available, how we're able to see how this happens. And and unfortunately, big money is involved. So like the NFL, they want to protect people being able to hit people because it is making so much money for so many people. Um, can you speak to, I mean, you worked directly with Tom Girardi at, at times. Um, you know, we see the Tom Girardi now or or the pictures or, or what we're being shown. Um, can you speak to how he was back then? Was he as charming as everybody says? Were you like, wow, what a guy? I mean, I certainly always thought he was brilliant. Um, I still think it was brilliant, but obviously some of that brilliance was used in ways that um, isn't very palatable. Um, and he was charming. And just like I said, in the Hulu doc, I mean, he, one of the things that was always so shocking to me, or that, you know, I could never just take my eye off of it, or my ears off of it, was sort of how he adapted to a room, an audience, an environment. That's why I called him a chameleon. But because he would, he would just like, he would read the room, you know, that's a little like saying now read the room, idiot, you know, but he was a master of reading the room and being able to just adapt and tell people what they wanted to hear. Like, I care a lot about women's rights and how women are treated in the workplace. So he was never sexist around me and would talk or say certain things. Now I've heard other stories <laughs> like, oh, wow, now he did things this way. Um, you know, so it, it it's interesting. Uh, you know, you have to really be brilliant to read a room and adapt like that in almost any environment, whether you're talking to an everyday person, you're talking to a jury, you're speaking to judges, you're speaking to the governor. I mean, you know, uh, when one of the things that I did was to lobby to make cheerleading a Title IX sport in California for high school um, athletes. And when we got the bill passed, uh, you got to get the governor to sign it. Well, never in the history in the U.S. has the government told anybody what a sport was. So this was history in the making. We weren't sure if the governor would sign it. Well, Tom called the governor and he signed it. I mean, who he donated maybe, money to. Maybe, maybe he was going to sign it anyway. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I'm not saying, that, you know, but it's 
he did. He was able to just pick up the phone and call him, which well, you know, I I don't have that access. I don't know about you, but well, that's, that's Hollywood. Not that's normal. Hollywood. That's I mean, that's why I almost feel like he fit in so well in California, and why this is a California story as much as it LA, is a story about very, law and all of this stuff. This is Hollywood, baby. Like it's such an LA story. When when I said the word chameleon, I wondered in that moment, like, would ABC get the rights to that song, Karma Chameleon? Karma Chameleon. And would and they that- have? When they have palm trees and driving down the road in L.A. And when I saw it, I was like, that's exactly what I imagined in my mind, because it is an L.A. story. It is Hollywood. Um, I think that's why people are fascinated with it, because you've got a Bernie Madoff type story of the millennials time. And it intersects pop culture in a huge way because of Aaron Brockovich and Housewives. And then you have the legal part of it. And so when do you have lawyers and housewife fans reading the same blogs and articles? I know. Wait, what is your, I mean, this is off time. I mean, not at the same time, but like, what is your opinion? Like going online and seeing all these Bravo fanatics and meme accounts dipping their toes into law, okay. you know? Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from 30 performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Wait, I just want to say this, first of all, like I, I work a lot, so I didn't watch a lot of TV. I feel like I watch more of it now because I'm trying to watch the housewives stuff and and try to understand some of the things that are happening. Oh man, in real time. I need need to get your opinion on watching for the first time. Yeah. And so that that's interesting. Um, you know, but I want to say that I am blown away by the fans. They are so cool and so smart. Like, um, I want to like some of these bloggers. I want to hire them to dig into oh, people for lawsuits weird. because they blow my mind. I'll be like, what they found? What? I mean, Where did they I, find that? How did they feel- get it so fast? I feel there's at least a hundred people out there that are Bravo fanatics that are like, I think I could be, I'm going to try to be a lawyer. Like, I mean, I feel like it's inspired people to go into the law, this case, which is wild. I love that Sutton's going to go to law school. I love she's studying for the LSAT. I think that's amazing. Um, You know, I would encourage uh, women in general, if we want to see things like what happened to Tom Girardi change, 
then we need to, you know, we need to want society to change and be more equal than women need to become lawyers and judges and politicians, because that's who allowed this shit to happen. Um, isn't just Tom, but the system the in boy, which he operated in allowed this to go on for decades, um, which has four nothing decades, to do with guys. current. Four yes. decades, it goes back. The California Bar Association, you know, so this wasn't an, you know, at first an Erica Jane thing. This has happened for four decades. So this whole, uh, you know, discourse about, you know, three years ago, his mind started going downhill. It's like right. he's doing this for four. He wasn't having degenerative like mental faculties for four decades. He was choosing to do this, which I'm I'm eventually really so curious what that first one was, what that first time is when he broke the law. I think it was day one. It, you know, and I was so skeptical for so long. I mean, it just, it was so, such a dark thing to be able to wrap your head around and believe because, you know, it's not just some random person. It's someone who's been put out there as a champion of the underdog, somebody who has orphans and widows. He he's the great equalizer in the access to justice for people who ordinarily don't get a shot at the big guy. Right. So this is the ultimate of the ultimate. You know, you're the knight in shining armor who's supposed to come in when the mom loses her son or when her son's in a coma and is burned all over his body or, you know, when. You know, like Brian Stowe, the guy um, who, you know, got beat up at the Dodger game, you know, the Giants fan, Mm -hmm. Tom represented him. I mean, you know, those are the kind of people you're coming in to help and to be the person who's actually, you know, manipulating, using your story to get somebody else to be able to manipulate and then stealing part of your money and then using the system to dodge taxes use power to elevate yourself even further and to, you know, create a tight knit system all the way around that you're doing it all in plain sight and nobody's questioning it. I try to speculate about this, about what goes through somebody's mind or even Tom's mind of, was it the keeping all of these balls in the air going that like drove him this like paying Peter to get a borrowed from Peter to pay Paul? And, you know, we see how it was like, you know, compared to like the Bernie Madoff and almost a Ponzi scheme in a way, but only he had control or access to certain funds, which is very abnormal for somebody like he shouldn't have been in control of that. We find out after the fact. But what was that? Was this what drove him not getting busted? Was this what like was this the part that was exciting for him? You know, I just well, I- about that. I just think with somebody who is that manipulative and narcissistic that it's just plain old power. Narcissistic it's all is about a great power. Word, yeah. It's all about power and attaining more power and getting higher, higher level of, of power and being able to control other people and situations to, to feel you know comfortable. He had to feel like the clock was ticking and that all this was coming and around him finally after all of these years there had been previous times where it was, it was starting to peak its yeah it's ugly head and then and then it got under wraps and and the charade you know was able to continue on but you know unfortunately for him and fortunate for the victims and for possible victims in the future and and that's one thing people really don't think about if it were not for the Ragomez family taking a stand, there would not have been the issue in Chicago because in Tom's deposition, 
uh, right before the clip you see in the documentary, he says that he could no longer borrow money from the legal lenders anymore because of the Gomez case. So that's where all the plates that he was juggling now come crashing down because he can't borrow more money from the legal lenders to keep paying the next person. So he wasn't able to keep up. And that's where Edelson gets ticked off. Jay Edelson, so of course, the, yeah. Right. So you already, the Ragomez case is filed in on June 27, 2019. And some of the bloggers wrote about it, but, um, you know, it was important to be able to put our head down and, you know, focus on fighting and making sure that the evidence, what, you know, came forward and that their case was proven because there's always all these accusations of what Tom did, but people didn't have the evidence. So, you know, we wanted to make sure that a case was proven so we could prove that Tom did this so we could stop it from happening again to stop the cycle, you know, from continuing. And so when he was unable after that case was filed, the lenders heard about the case and knew it was a victim and not another lender saying that they weren't getting paid. This is somebody who was owed a settlement. And so that's what stopped the lenders from continuing the cycle. And then that's when the dominoes fall. So Ragomez case is domino number one. No legal lending is domino two. Then you have the divorce is domino three. You know, Erica, and that set off the bells and whistles. That brought out the media. <laughs> that brought out Edelson went, oh, Erica knows there's no money. Oh, there's really no money now. I mean, that's really what. I, and he was borrowing I mean, at such a high interest rate from these legal lenders. They were, I mean, he really was at the top, like where they were charging him the highest interest rate 20%. to borrow. Yeah. Which is wild. But you bring up the Erica Jane stuff. So it is interesting to start getting, and, and really quickly, by the way, I do want to point out that you have those voicemails in the Housewives and the Hustler. And you spoke earlier about Chameleon and you hear that of like, come on, man, I'm not a bad guy. Come on. Like, you know, he adapted to tell you what you wanted to hear of like, well, this guy sounds like a, a grandfather type that's just trying to protect me. You know, and we even see with the uh, where he was like, you know, uh, the judge said, I can uh, keep your money and dole it out to you because mm -hmm. we don't we don't want bad things to happen to you because we love you as a kid. Like really bizarre uh, voicemails of what he was telling him to uh to keep him uh under wraps and to be able to not give him all his money at once the erica jane stuff gets brought into it though and i guess what is i mean this is a, so what is your overall take of the erica jane you were quoted as saying i believe this is you is saying you know when you when you then bring the real housewives of beverly hills into it and you see all of this um, the the flashiness and all the sp uh, the spending of this wealth. There's a certain decorum that you would want your lawyer to have, and all of a sudden, this really doesn't fit in this decor this 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 show of wealth that we see on the show from Erica Jane, especially all the time. It doesn't really fit in. You wouldn't really want your lawyer. That's really not the decorum you would want somebody representing you to have. Is that correct? Well, I, okay. So look at it like this. Like it's one thing to see that someone drives a nice car or like they have on designer brands and they look successful. I mean, you want a successful lawyer. I mean, you know, you want someone who can dress well and can carry themselves, carry themselves well, but it's another thing to get on a reality show and be like, you know, 
uh, you know, being broke sucks, you know, well, guess what? All their clients are injured and typically broke. So, I mean, it just, you know, so that's what I mean. Like, it's not about being rich. That's the issue. It's like how you portray yourself in that situation. You know, are you acting entitled and are you not even realizing that, you know, majority of your money that was made was made on the backs of people who had cancer and died and had horrific injuries, you know, so you would just think that there would be some amount of humility involved in that. And just talking about them, like, you know, everyone keeps saying, oh, she can't talk about the victims. If she couldn't talk about the victims and she wouldn't be able to talk about shit, then that means you just straight gag order, get off the show, get off social media, don't say a word. Yes. She is talking. So if she's allowed to talk, she's also allowed to say, my heart is broken for the victims. I'm as upset yes. about their fucked up life as I am about what I have lost. And I even feel like a jerk when I hear myself talking out loud about what I've lost when I realize, oh my God, people have lost way more than me. You can say that, Erica. Yeah. I mean, that's the part I don't get. That's the part that I freak out about every week is that, you know, when you, I know Erica has her stands and all of that stuff, but like, what are you standing at this point? Like, what are you like, guys, like, you know, she's still in a house that'll be bigger than I probably ever own a nicer car, even though I love my Corolla than I will ever own. And she is still a Dyson vacuum this week. Oh, how dare you? Erica I said, Jane. I wonder if I look as awkward using it as she did in that little episode I saw where it's like, I was like, yeah, she would, you know, well, look I mean, less awkward this- with a vibrator than she did with that vacuum. <laughs> I mean, gee whiz. But when you start watching the season, though, I mean, it's got to like, uh, and I can tell a little bit about your vocal tone, it's got to enrage you because we see this portrayal. We see this, you know, it, it's almost like a soap opera actor at times. There's almost, it's it's playing with these emotions and she's able to sometimes mess with the narrative and especially Add in the Let's, let's not, let, let's not drag soap opera actors. A bad <laughs> attempt at being a soap opera actor. How's that? Because, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of surprising to me because, you know, it's hard to play the victim or damsel in distress for her. I mean, I don't know, you know, yeah, it's so hard when you're that cold for all those other seasons, we're all supposed to now feel for her when she's been inherently cold for every season she's been on this show. It. And now we're supposed who's, to feel bad, you know, Lisa Rinna who's only telling her bad. not to care about the victims. Like she could have done a benefit concert. Well, no, we don't want to, we don't want to, that would hurt the victims. I feel if we did a benefit concert, she's not a great singer. Um, but, uh, (laughs) she can put one on like, like, like David Foster is a friend of theirs. David Foster knows everybody. David Foster got her on the show, right? Exactly. So, you know, my whole thing is if they cared and really wanted to do something, um, you know, then they could, I mean, why couldn't they, they do uh, you know, different things for different charities or whatever all the time. So if it was any kind of concern, um, you know, again, that the NFL has donated money to yes. CTE research, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that doesn't say that they're going to accept liability. Um, so it's just, it's a bullshit um, argument to say she can't have any feelings or do anything to show that the victims are victims. So you turn on the first part of the reunion and Erica Jane gets to make this big first 15 minute kind of speech and it's around her. And she says, finally, 
that she wants to make the victims whole. And I was like, what a weird word. And then I found out from my lawyer friend that that's a kind of a lawyer speak, you know, make somebody whole. But when you hear this, is it laughable or is it now like, oh, now she's being instructed on what to say? What is your, and by the way, the other thing I try to tell people, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit is, you know, she's still, you know, she says like the victims and all that, but she's still fighting to get hers, to get her piece of all of this, right? Like that, this is like, just, I give up all rights. Yeah, so she definitely um, sounds coached by uh, legal folks, and it and I cannot imagine in a million years that Tom is not involved in this, regardless of his state of mind. Um, you know, I, I just don't believe that he's not uh, giving some direction on this. So she uses terminology all the time that that are legal terms and. You know, uh, she makes conflicting statements that, you know, she does. On right? one like, hand, I'm, I'm not crazy. On one I feel hand, like I'm being gaslit. A lawyer, but now she didn't know anything and she just signed stuff and she's oblivious. I mean, you know, <laughs> so she's going to have, you know, you got, you're going to have to pick a lane on that particular, you know, topic. But when she uses, there was one time she was talking about him having a diminished mental capacity. That is a very specific term. In in relation to discussing somebody's state of mind um, when it comes to criminal law. And so even a doctor isn't likely to say it in quite those terms. So somebody legally was coaching her to say diminish mental capacity. I mean, she's not going to naturally say that. Um, and so that caught my ear when she was discussing that, that Okay, she's being coached. Um, well, yeah, I mean, especially know, with the reunion, this last part, the the second part, it felt like I mean, she was answering rapid fire questions very quickly to the point where I was like, did she get the questions ahead of time? This feels like a game of Jeopardy. Then she's like, I'll take that for a hundred, Alex, and that, you know, and then she would slow it down with, hold on, Andy, hold on, and that felt very coached too. Like if it gets too much, say, hold on, control the pace. And it just really mm-hmm. felt very, finally, she was answering these questions, but it was very by rote. I mean, in, how she in, a, in, a, in a deposition, I mean, you know, you're supposed to, when they ask you a question, you're supposed to count to three in your head and then, an, oh. then answer. And I'm sure she's been told that. I mean, come on, that's just, that's common knowledge. Like, you know, so if you, if, if I ask you a question right now, like answer this question, you're supposed to go one, one two, three. I would do it. If if I do a deposition, I'm going to do it out loud. One, two, three. I will now answer this question. Say Kim Archie told me. I mean, you did work, uh, like I said, at times with him. What was your experience? Did you have any experience uh, with Erica Jane around this time before any of this stuff went down? What was your experience? Or was it always like, this guy's dating this lady, LOL, you know? So I met Erica at um, the first time I went to a Christmas party at the Jonathan club. Um, and it was before she did housewives. So I didn't go to, you know, every Girardi function. Like I went when I could or whatever. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price. Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
on your happy price, price line. We will get back to the excitement in just a second, folks, but I wanted to uh to talk about some products that are advertising on So Bad It's Good this week, and we love products that are advertising on So Bad It's Good. And these are both places that have sent me uh, samples. And you know, I love me some samples. And this first one, I had never, I know CBD is all the rage. I know that, but I had never tried it for some reason. Uh, and I've tried it and I love it. And I want to tell you about this company, Papa and Barkley. Um, so CBD and their products, they help with general pains, stresses, or restlessness. Um, and a all of us, I mean, that's where I'm like, yes, all of us listeners have all of those. I have knee pain. I have now back pain. I have pain pain. You know how stressed I am. I'm restless all of the time. And got to tell you folks, you know, I always talk about melatonin and then I have melatonin dreams and I got to stop it because it's really scary. I haven't been having melatonin dreams CBD is not giving me melatonin dreams, and I am so here for it. So let's talk about all the benefits of CBD for a second, um, because it is hard to find reliable products. Uh, Papa and Barkley creates award-winning CBD solutions for pain, stress, sleep, and everyday wellness. And unlike less effective CBD brands, they have an unmatched, clean, chemical-free, whole plant process with proven results. So my experience, they sent uh, me a bunch of products. They sent me uh, the Pop and Barkley Relief Double uh, Drop Strength Lemongrass. Um, they sent me the Relief Pain Balm. They sent me the drops. And they come in uh, just like this little, I don't want to say tincture, <laughs> like, like Shannon Bedore. Uh, but it's like just drops you can put under your tongue and then let dissolve or pills or, or bomb. Like I put the, um, they have this, uh, this pain bomb and I put it on the right side of my knee where it kills and it actually, it made it feel better. I mean, it's just as simple as that. And I don't know why I didn't try any of this stuff. I've heard about this for years and just never, never tried it. And now I feel like why this has always been there. Um, I only have so many free, free products and then I'm actually going to have to buy this stuff myself. So, uh, Papa, and Barkley founder Adam Grossman created the groundbreaking relief balm to ease his father's debilitating back pain. So from that powerful homemade balm that I was talking about, Papa and Barkley has expanded to a full line of topical balms, oils, tinctures, and capsules, all made with 100% natural clean ingredients and whole plant full-spectrum CBD. So today, they are the number one cannabis wellness company in California, and with their new CBD relief line, they can ship nationwide. Their CBD relief balm delivers hours of comfort with simple, plant-based ingredients. In an at-home use test with over 300 participants, users reported a 40% reduction in daily discomfort in just one week of using the balm. Uh, I am actually not one of those 300, but I can attest to that. So the award-winning CBD oil Relief Drops is their fastest metabolizing daily wellness option for easing daily stress, discomfort, and supporting a good night's sleep. Papa and Barkley is on a mission to improve lives through CBD in its purest 
cleanest form possible. So right now, go to papaandbarkleycbd.com slash so bad for 20% off your first purchase. That's huge, 20%. That's 20% off for new customers at P-A-P-A and B-A-R-K-L-E-Y cbd.com slash so bad. I tell you, I'm not joking. I am getting my parents this uh, for their stocking stuffer. Um, yeah, they get stocking stuffers, so what? Uh, the next uh, company is called Uncommon Goods, you guys. So if you're on a mission to be the best gift giver ever this year, uh, it's, I hope... People are on that mission for me, but uh, I gotta get I gotta get better at, at this. And uncommon goods is where I start, you know. But it is never too early to start crossing people off your holiday shopping list. So whether you're shopping for mom, dad, teenagers, in laws, or your best friends, uncommon goods make it easy to find remarkable and truly original gifts for anyone. Uncommon Goods wants your holiday season to be stress-free, so check out their selection of thousands of items today. So here are my few of my favorite gifts that I have found on the site so far. Okay, so this is really cool. They have the website Uncommon Goods. They have it in sections. So like male, uh, no, sorry, women, men, kids, teens, dad, mom. And so I just clicked on men because um a man, man, pretty much. And, um, so, okay. They have a glass topper cocktail smoker that helps with like, like, it's like when you're making drinks, like when you're like Tom Sandoval at Sir, this is the glass topper cocktail smoker. It looks so cool. I want that. They have a make your own hot sauce kit. Uh, they have a nitro cold brew coffee maker. You guys, I am, you know how I like cold brew. I'm trying to cut down, but it, this is a cold brew maker. You have a grilled personal pizza maker. I'm telling you, I believe there's like 96% female listen to this audience. And if you guys have husbands or boyfriends, I'm telling you, this is place. They have a portable campfire. They have a, they have a Mars dust globe. It's like a snow globe with Mars dust. Yeah, I'm a geek. They have baseball park map pint glasses. I'm not into sports, but I love pint glasses and they have them. They have baseball stadium blueprints framed. I'm telling you, I've seen your guys watch sports on your Instagram stories. They are going to love this stuff. And not just for guys. Like I said, they have it for women. They have it for kids. Uh, this place is dope as hell, and I want you to check it out. So who knows what holiday shopping will look like this season. Uh, it's very different every year now, the last couple of years. But the unique gifts at Uncommon Goods can sell out fast. So shop now. Get it taken care of early. Um, no matter what they are into, your friends, your family, Uncommon Goods has the perfect gift. From art and jewelry to kitchen, home, and bar, Uncommon Goods has something for everyone. Not the same lackluster gifts you could find just anywhere. Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the U.S. They have the most meaningful, out-of-the-ordinary gifts anywhere. And with every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back $1 to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5 million to date. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash so bad. That's uncommongoods.com slash so bad for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon goods. We're all out of the ordinary. Uh, we're all out of the ordinary. I love that. And I'm seriously, you guys, I geeked out on their website. Just go check out their website. I think you're going to find stuff that you like. And now, back to the show. So I was sporadic in going to things. So once she did the show, I never saw her around again. Like, 
um, before, like if Tom got some big award, that might be something she would show up to. Um, but again, like I said, like after Housewives, um, I didn't run into her at like conferences or things where Tom got awards. Like Tom got Lawyer of the Year with his son-in-law. I think it was 2017 or 18 from um, CAOC, which is like a California attorney group. And uh, she wasn't there for that. You know, and that's a pretty big deal in, you know, legal yeah. world. Um, and so, you know, she kind of got into her own thing, you know, once she was doing housewives, uh, I always just initially felt bad that, you know, the legal world's very conservative. So if you're not a conservative person and an attorney in high esteem, you easily can be looked down on. I know I've experienced some of that myself. So when I met her, you know, I just felt like, you know, more power to you. If you can walk in here as the 30 year junior to Tom Girardi and take down the stairs of all these people who look down at you, I mean, go for it. I wouldn't want to deal with it. Um, uh, cause that's not an easy world to live in. Yeah. It's really not. She had um, to be tough, tough to do that. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we just see how tough she is every week. Um, uh, now, <laughs> So, I mean, you have to actually now, and I got to ask this, this is a kind of a more personal question, but like we're joking and laughing about this, but you actually, this involves somebody that you love very much. This involved, what's it like having to relive? You know, I, we're, we get to have the privilege to watch this as a show and we do know there's yeah. victims and I am empathetic to that, but you actually have lived this. This is real to you. What's this like? Is it like just never letting this, this heal? You know, it's just a scab. You yeah, it's, you know, it it's a, we do use humor to survive it. And so, you know, we do laugh a lot and that may seem odd to people, um, but it's just our coping mechanism. It doesn't shortchange the fact that it's been a living nightmare. Um, and it, it is awkward, scary, freaky, weird, all kind of horrible to have your life played out on Twitter in documentaries, in the news, for people to have opinions. To not be believed be talking about, Yeah, to get trolled about stuff or whatever. And, you know, at the end of the day, my son isn't here to speak for himself. So it's my job to speak for him. And my role in all this is complicated because I have multiple things that I'm involved with yeah. because I worked with them because of my work in CTE, because of being an expert for sports injury litigation, because of his involvement in my best friend's, you know, family's case and what he did to them and, and, and helping them, um, you know, and then my son's case and then Tom mentoring me and, you know, um, encouraging me to uh, become an attorney and so sort of being layers. stuck in this weird, yeah, weird world. So, and I, I'm, I'm not a victim type person. I don't want to be seen as a victim. But at the end of the day, my son was his client. My son is dead, and his case got thrown out right after we fired Tom, and it's been a mess ever since. And so my son's a victim. If people want to argue that I'm not or whatever, I guess, I, you know, I don't really care. Um, but it isn't 
simple. It's multi-layered. Yeah. I'm all those things. Um, but I'm certainly a survivor much greater than I am a victim. Oh, and I'm yeah. a fighter for other victims. And I'm much more comfortable fighting for other people than I am sitting around, you know, saying, woe is me. But I can't um, belittle how horrible this is for all the people that have been harmed. The stories I hear every day, like I need therapy just to deal with all the things I hear and the yes. people who reach out to me because it's horrible what's been done. These are people who've had horrible things happen to them already. And now they've been screwed by their lawyer. So it's just, you know, harm on top of harm on top of harm. Um, and then, you know, everyone's trying to make a name for themselves or, you know, um, throw their hat in the ring. Oh, I even see it with, 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 with Bravo people, you know, like I even, I'm like, yo, are you really wanting to like go this hard? Like, but um, it, what was your last dialogue with Mr. Girardi? Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Um, he called me um, last year right before Christmas. And I initially didn't answer the first time. Then he called again. So, so this had already been I, going down. Like the Erica had already, already left, gone right? down. Yes. This is after Erica had left. Um, and he just said, you know, Hey, this is your old pal, Tom. And I said, yeah. And he said, you know, I'm feeling like the um, ugly fat girl at the prom. And I said, oh, uh. I feel like the prom queen. And it was just kind of, you know, silent for a minute. And I was like in my head thinking, where did that come from? I don't know what made me say that. <laughs> and then and then he said, he, he asked if I would meet with them. And I just agreed to, because I knew I wasn't going to. It was COVID and, yeah. um, you know, of course I'm not going to go meet him, but I wasn't going to argue or anything. I just was really answering to see what he wanted at this point. Yeah. Um, and so then we hung up the phone and I never heard from him, you know, again, which is sort of what I expected. And I think he probably continued to go downhill. It's not a popular opinion for me, um, to say that, uh, I know Tom got in a car wreck. I know that he had a brain injury. I saw it. I don't believe that Erica was saying anything. I don't, or at least not when I was saying stuff to everybody. And of course, you know, brain injury is my thing. And so I'm saying like, every time I meet with him, he can't remember, or he'll repeat something every single time after like the sixth month in a row, he's done this. I was going to go like, maybe that car wreck, he really did have a brain injury and in all of this. Have you heard I the John hear Wayne story? Yeah. Oh, wow. You heard the John Wayne story. That's interesting. 185 times. Wow. But I mean, but I've said on the show. I'm exaggerating a little bit. I've heard it a number of times. I've said on the show, though, many times is that two things can be true. He can have a brain injury and have diminished mental yes. capacity, and he can still have stolen from people for 40 years. Like these two it, things are nothing to do with each other. Because I said, right. I definitely do not believe he's putting this on for the cameras, but I also believe He's that not, Erica is more aware than she is letting on. I do uh, also a hundred percent believe that she left due to all of the stuff coming down the pike period. If she didn't, she's one of the most heartless people in the world, which I totally, I mean, I think that's probably true too, but I do believe she was well aware or very aware that things were happening and she had to get out because also, do you really think the last time she saw Tom was driving him to work? Like in I don't the believe, morning, like I don't she's believe, a morning person. Yeah. She's like not also, a morning person. Like 
If she would have said she took him to work at noon, I might have believed. No, she said in the morning. So she said it was really early. Yeah, right. And they weren't talking at the time, but she wants to make it seem like they had a normal relationship when she paints it as abnormal during COVID. But now for the last time, even though they're not talking, she drops uh, her husband off at work and then goes home, gets moving trucks, moves everything without Tom knowing anything, even though they have cameras at the Pasadena house, they have a staff at the Pasadena house. How would this never, none of that part adds up to me, but I do agree that he definitely has diminished mental capacity. I definitely yeah. think that, you know, and, and potentially a brain injury, like you said, um, what are we getting wrong as the, uh, the Bravo fandom? What are we, cause one thing you said is that, okay, well I do, he was in an accident. He does have a brain injury. And I know that you said is not a popular opinion. Are there other things that we're getting wrong that we're not seeing that we have too uh, too diminished capacity ourselves with our vision? Um, I just think that, you know, the focus is just so often, on Erica, which makes sense in one on one hand, because she's on the show and these are fans of a show. So they're focusing on one of the characters and what they believe about her. So I don't know if that's necessarily wrong. So I don't want to say it's wrong for fans to do that because they're this is a part of their fandom. Right. Yeah. Um, but it, it because of how big um, Housewives really is as an entity it does overshadow the victims. Um, and that's always, you know, tough when I think about the people who've actually been harmed, like the widows and orphans that you saw in the Hulu doc, um, you know, from the flight from the Chicago case or the Ragomez family. The I mean, those are excellent. Yeah. The lion air victims, um, you know, those are great examples of saying like, and those are just some faces of the, that there was 9,000 clients on the books the day that Girardi Keys closed its doors. So I say, to, you know, we call those the, the orphan um, clients because they all became orphans. They had to get new clients. They got dumped to somebody else, or maybe they had a chance to move their case, but you know, their case went from being at what judges and juries and other and defense attorneys saw as a top tier law firm, who knows where their case went now. And I think that would be the next thing I would say is this story is really about access to justice and about how the justice system isn't for the poor, the broken, the injured, the down and out. It's for the rich. That's what the story is really about. And that you know, somebody who claimed to be for the underdog used all the same <laughs> tactics that they claimed they were fighting to screw over the little guy. And now that we're taking him out, if we don't address the real issue of access to justice, we're actually just taking another person out who was taking on these corporations. And now we have less opportunity as consumers to have access to justice than we ever did before. And that is terrible news for consumers well i mean in a way it's kind of like cte i mean it just it's rotten it's like systemic from the the bottom up and and it, it uh it's very frustrating you know as being one of uh, the little people is that these systems put in place to protect us like the you know like police or the law or something like that it, it's very frustrating for all of this to happen because you realize how small you are uh, and there are these big people and you only can play the game if you're rich. And it, will there be systemic reform? Will this do anything? Or are we just going to take this one man down, throw well, him on the pyre and say, it's all Tom Girardi. Nobody else is involved with this because the Bar Association is hugely to blame in so many of these ways. It, will anything happen from this? And it's going to be like 20 years before that happens. I mean, uh, you know, 
the whole reason why uh, Kathy Ragomez and I have fought so hard and put the amount of time and effort that we have into everything is so that there will be changes, not just to stop Tom, but the system that allowed Tom to do this also has to change um, in order for consumers to be protected from the attorneys that they need to be able to trust to take on companies that are doing harm. Wow. And the third part of the reunion airs tonight. Will you be watching tonight? Kathy and I are going to be watching and uh, we're not going to be live uh, watching it or anything, but we are probably going to film some of our reaction um, to share with people later. Now, this is uh, a little off topic, but are there other storylines in this season of Beverly Hills that you're like, you're dealing with the Erica, but then are you also like, I hate Lisa Rinna. What a horrible late. Like, have you gotten into the soap opera drama of it away from this case? Uh, Do you actually like, wow, I kind of am getting into like, maybe I'll try Vanderpump Rules next. Like, um, I did watch Buried with the Bernards, which is oh, another, that was, like, yeah, reality that, that show. Was on Netflix, and they're yeah. really freaking funny. The like I love the mom. She's like, I haven't been wrong since 1980. Like, I really feel her. <laughs> <laughs> like she's really funny. Um, but yeah, it's funny to it just one of the things that um stands out to me is because you know, Kathy and I have been friends since we we're three. And we've been through a lot. So it's just like, it's really weird to watch what kind of looks like phony friendships to me. Um, and to see like the petty fighting amongst each other uh, is fascinating. And to see like Lisa Renna give such a pass to Erica when she railroaded Vanderpump and all the ladies that were her so-called friends for a really long time in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, so it is weird. Like those are some of the things I'm like, wow, yeah, this is like dog eat dog <laughs> kind of world. Like you better watch out around here. Like they'll eat you alive. Um has any of the cast you know, members made contact with you at all by chance? Has you have you had any no, interaction at all? Um, um, none of them have. I told Kathy we should go eat at one of um Vanderpump's restaurants. She might uh get a kick out of her and I showing up. Oh my God. Oh my God. She would totally like, look at who I'm with Kyle. (laughs) Yeah. She would totally love that. Um, uh, I just, I just had a a sick curiosity if you were starting to enjoy the shows away from the Erica story. I mean, I love, I love Garcelle. She's probably my favorite, um, out of all of them. And I think that, you know, being the first black, you know, cast member is it's always tough to be the first to, you know, and, and we always expect black people to educate all of us to, you know, know better about racism or whatever. And that's a yeah. tough thing to bear. And so um, I think she's very classy um, and elegant and handles all of that in the spotlight with, you know, so much focus on uh, what's going on with Erica as if it's like a side thing when really it's a very important topic, too. Yeah. As we start wrapping up here, um, I do want to mention one thing, because I I. I I have been learning as I go with this. I, I watched these shows for the cattiness and I've had to like, start going, am I into law? Like, I don't know if I understand this, what's going on. I definitely am. You're into uh, it. You yeah, know I'm, it, I'm in too into deep. I'm in too deep at this point. I might, I might be a lawyer. I don't know. You have um, law awards now. You got Girardi yes, law awards. By the way, you are on top of the world. There's one award. The, and I, I got to tell you this law thing, like that I've like, there's like a super lawyer award I have. Like who's called super lawyer. Like that's not, you're not a like super lawyer. Um, 
which by the way, I'll lawyers show you are hilarious. Pictures. They give each other awards and like they build their websites <laughs> and all their social media is for each other. Like the clients all look at it and go, what's this? Like, and then, you know, to each other as friends are like, oh, your website's so great. Oh, I love your social media. But the clients are like, I don't even understand what this is. <laughs> um, Where do I click? <laughs> uh, well, sp- a couple of final questions, because this is the stupidity. I need you to explain something to me now. Ronald Richards. Now I have spoken to Ronald before and I, he is a very, uh, really a lot of people dislike Ronald. The, some people like Ronald, some people. And from my perspective of being the dummy, I'm like, okay, well, he's trying to get money for these victims, uh, trying to get these money back. And he's put, he's playing it out on Twitter, which everybody, every lawyer I talk to seems to be very grossed out by, but he's using that as a tool. What is your opinion on all, all this? I believe you have a strong opinion. And I'm like, what am I not seeing? Why is what he's doing uh, potentially harmful, if that is true? Um, well, I just think that, um, you know, exploiting a platform to elevate yourself at perhaps the expense of the narrative or the case or the proper focus or to litigate on Twitter Like, for example, he's made comments to me about my bankruptcy claim. I'm one of the six people who filed the involuntary bankruptcy against Tom. And he's made comments to me like I have to prove my claim on Twitter. Dude, I'm not proving shit on Twitter. So you guys go, go, he tries tries to go back and forth with you on Twitter. He's gone back and forth with me. He's made comments to me that I just think are inappropriate. And he even said once that, you know, me trying to claim I'm a victim in any way gives the name victim a bad name. Um, I mean, he's entitled to his opinion, I suppose. But where I really go wrong with Ronald Richards, it has really nothing to do with the Girardi case. It's he made these comments about 15 years ago when he was representing a at the time accused rapist. Um, and Ronald Richards made the comment as his defense attorney that these women were sleeping with this guy to further their career. When later this guy was convicted of raping the women and some of his victims were as young as 14 and 15 years old. I've asked Ronald Richards on Twitter and I'll ask again now, have you apologized to those victims? Have you made amends to them? Because they were children, Mm. children who were raped by a man that you defended. Why would anyone give this person a platform on a major media in any way blows me away when you see how the, what happened to the um, coach of the Raiders? Oh, yeah. He's uh, gone. Gruen, yeah. So he gets fired, but Ronald Richards gets elevated in the Girardi clusterfuck. OK, this just makes a lot of sense to me. So, again, I just go back to when do the victims matter? When do they take front and center? If it's not helping the victims and elevating them and furthering their cause, then I'm going to have pause. And if you have somebody being platformed that have said things that are inappropriate involving 14 and 15 year old young women who were raped, I, I just question that. And I don't understand why anyone else wouldn't be. Uh, and, and I, and that's the bottom line. And I'm sure this is going to set off all kinds of, oh, I mean, I don't think, I don't think, I don't, don't, I'm I'm not going to tag, I'm not going to tag him. I'm not going to, you know, these comments though, are in the New York times. Like I'm not making them up. I don't have to say like, oh, you can't find them. You can go read this for yourself in the New York times. It's not even in an obscure 
um, article. It's literally in mainstream media. So why would uh, you anybody, know, this is why would anybody want to be involved in the law at this point? I feel like it's the presidency is like, why would any good person want to be involved in this mess? Like, it seems like such an uphill battle. I mean, you know, your, your son hasn't been uh, given justice yet. All of these victims haven't been given justice. Thousands. I'm talking years and years and years and years. I always compare it to the free Britney thing. Cause that's the most pop culture story we have. But at the right. same time, like, look at this, like, I, I, I don't understand it from an outsider's perspective, why the wheels of justice turn the slowest that so I've ever slow. seen it. Like, why I are we supposed to law, care? You know, the law is like watching paint dry. You know, that's what I, feel I say. It's like, faster it's faster to have slow. paint dry. It is way faster to watch paint dry, and it's a lot less painful too than to you know deal with legal issues. And with the Girardi stuff, you've got probate, divorce, personal injury, bankruptcy, and possible criminal contempt of court, fraud charges. I mean, you know, you've got a lot of stuff going on, and so. Uh, you know, it's very complicated issue. And I think that would probably be my last thing about what I would say isn't really going right is you see a lot of headlines that aren't true, like Erica owes 25 million. That's a really salacious headline when. So are you telling me that every sugar daddy in L.A. who gives their chick a Amex card and she racks up 10 million in charges and he goes bankrupt their their babe owes the money back? Which, by the that way, that would just de- that would de- like, that would destroy the sugar that would destroy the sugar baby industry. We would right. like the whole economy for Los Angeles would go bust. I think I just felt an earthquake in LA <laughs> when I said that. I mean, you know what in the world is going on? So Erica owes the money because she was married to Tom. Period. End of story. That's the end of the deal. You know, and and so that's where her liability remains civilly is that she was married to Tom and she owes his debts as much as he does. And that's it. Period. In the story. So we don't need to go through her Amex bill. We don't need to out all the vendors that ever got paid by Erica. And then they got to come out and speak and tell their story, because once they're put out there in the narrative, if you don't, if your name is put out there and you don't speak, then your story is going to be told for you. So then, you know, when we outed all the vendors from the Amex bills, then all those people are now interjected into the story and so on and so forth. So, I mean, you know, this is a high profile case and it'll only continue, you know, for more people to be paying attention to it as it develops. Because really, even though there's been a documentary and all this stuff and it's been on Housewives, there hasn't even been any criminal charges filed or anything yet. So, you know, our lives are just beginning to be destroyed. It hasn't even got started. We're about to go into hiatus on the show, but the hiatus is not, uh, you don't get to go on hiatus with your life. You know, like you have to deal with this on a daily basis as well as all the other victims. And they didn't stop filming. They're so into No, they're still going. They're still going in the next season. Oh, we don't want to take a break because this is too good. I mean, your lives all falling apart. It's very good TV. It's too juicy juicy for us to, yeah, we got to keep the cameras rolling, you know? So, uh, you know, we'll need a lot of humor to get, you know, through well, to the end of the road on this. I'm, I'm going to try to start being funny in a couple of years, but uh, you'll have to get it elsewhere. But final question, Erica Jane says uh, in this, you know, I, I, I remember who's for me and who's against me. And when this is all over, I'm going to remember who those are against me. Are you scared of Erica Jane? One, because she, if you're against her, she's going to come after you uh, and all of us. And two, just take us through 
You said this isn't over. What is next? What do you predict? You know, you said Erica Jane, like, yeah, she she was, you know, got paid on Amex and all that. She doesn't owe that money, particularly in your uh, law opinion. What are the next steps of all of this for you and potentially for Erica Jane? Well, I think, you know, we'll continue to deal with the bankruptcy process and fighting for the victims to be made whole. (laughs) And we'll continue to work with lawmakers to introduce legislation to close the loopholes in state law that allowed the system to perpetuate the behavior of Tom Girardi and his cohorts. And, you know, we'll hopefully continue to see the slow wheels of justice turn and, you know, uh, hold people accountable for what's happened. Uh, as far as like, being afraid of Erica, uh, hell no, <laughs> I, I'm not afraid of Erica. Um, you know, but also saying, you know, her behavior has been disgusting. And because she has such a big platform, it's become a topic of conversation. But again, I'm going to say something not very popular. I also don't like women taking bigger hits for the fuck ups of the men that they sleep with or or in arrangements with, Uh, you know, so I don't I think that's bullshit. Um, You know, uh, there are people that could sign on the checks at Girardi Keese and it wasn't Erica Jane. So um, I want to see more discussion about that. In when we have serious conversations, it's okay to joke around about housewives and what an asshole Erica is and how she shows her ass on Instagram as her response to things rather than say, hey, it sucks what happened to the victims type of thing instead. You know, so I think that, um, you know, we'll continue to see Erica make a fool of herself. And I know she's trying to survive because she's only 50 years old. That's what she said. And I get it. Um, But she might want to get, you know, some different advisors if she really does want to survive this at the end of the day and, you know, not completely trash every amount of character that she ever could have mustered up, you know? So do you want her off uh, the show? Does it, does it pain? Like, does it pain you to know that she is, she is personally making, you know, what, a 500 grand a year. And she's, I know, probably asking for a raise at this point. Does that matter to you at all? And you're like, you know what? It gives attention to the case, at least. I'm not a very big, yeah, it does give attention to the case. I'm not a big hater. Like, you know, I don't wish bad on anybody. Um, but, you know, I will still continue to say you should make things right. If you didn't know, make it right. Yeah. Yeah. Make it right. Like I feel terrible that I ever worked for Tom. It's fucking horrible to think I ever worked for him in any way or like the voicemail that you heard on Dr. Oz that I'm like him or I want to be like him or anything like that. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I think it's disgusting and I will continue to fight for um, other victims to show that I think what I found out was wrong and I wouldn't want anything to do with it. And she could do the same thing. Once she found out, she could say, I don't want anything to do with this. I stand against it. I stand with the victims and I want this to be made right. And I feel terrible. 
Kimberly Archie, this was an amazing hour. It went by way too quick. I can, uh, what a great guest. Uh, you know, I'm so sorry for your loss. I thank you for all of the work that you were doing. I thank you for having the sense of humor that you do about all of this. How do we support you? The Bravo fan fan base. What do you want? How do we, uh, help you in this cause? How do we help the victims? I mean, I bought the underpants, so I've done my part, but how do (laughs) other people, what would you want them to do or how can we help? Well, I say, you know, continue to elevate the stories of the victims. Um, If you live in California, reach out to your lawmakers. Um, You can reach out to me and Kathy on GerardiFraud.com if you have, you know, ways that you want to help or if you know somebody who's been a victim of Girardi and they need help, you know, getting through the process um, of filing a claim. Um, we're here to help with that too. So, uh, you know, and again, just, we appreciate the fans, um, caring about, you know, what's happening to the real people. Uh, well, please pay my respects to Kathy. Uh, and, and, uh, uh, I, I look forward to being able to present you with the Tom Girardi uh, framed award uh, someday in person. <laughs> and uh, this has just been so, so, such a special hour for all of us. So thank you so much. Thank Bye. you for having me. Five, four. Betches.